Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. This is Richard Gearhart. And Elizabeth Gearhart. Welcome to Passage to Profit on WOR 710, the voice of New York. At Passage to Profit, we're all about the creativity, energy, and excitement that comes from starting your own business. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Okay, so listeners, anyone who's listened to this show or knows me at all knows that I really love to shop. True, true. Truer (laughs) words have never been spoken. That's part of the reason I love this show. We see all the new stuff I can buy. And honestly, when my kids were younger and in school and I wasn't working outside the home. I was able to go to the mall during the day. It was really fun. But now I can't go to the mall nearly as often. So where do I go? (laughs) I go to Amazon. Absolutely. And yeah, you do have a ton of stuff, by the way. Yes, there's always Amazon. And I have a love-hate relationship with Amazon. I love it because it makes it easy to find the things I need and I hate it because it makes it easy to find the things I want. Yeah. So I wonder how the people who sell on Amazon feel about Amazon. Well, I think we're about to find out. Tonight we have Shannon Roddy, an Amazon selling expert, here to tell us all about selling on Amazon. He's come all the way from sunny and hot Atlanta, Georgia. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you so much. Tell us a little bit about what you do. What I do is I work with uh, brand owners and ventures, entrepreneurs and private labels to help them launch and grow their business on the Amazon platform. And so that's primarily on amazon.com, but uh, we provide both courses, consulting, and coaching for those brands. I know this is probably in your materials that you sell to people to learn, but can you tell us one good tip for selling on Amazon starting out? There's really not one great tip, and I think it's the most often asked question. People are looking for the silver bullet. Success selling on Amazon is about having a good strategy and doing 120 things right. And so what we do is teach people and empower people with all the resources, tools, and information they need to be able to be successful. It all starts with having an original product that adds value to the marketplace. So that's really the first starting point. But beyond that, there's a whole bunch of different things that need to happen in order to actually generate success and generate sales on the platform. It's a lot harder than it used to be, right? I mean, when Amazon first started, it was just kind of a website. You put your stuff up there. But now there's a lot of things you need to know and rules that you have to live by to be successful. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is, you know, right now, there's over 2 million active sellers on Amazon. There's over 560 million products, so the competition is huge. But you also have to remember that over 55% of all product searches start on Amazon, and over 50% of all e-commerce sales goes through Amazon currently. So it's a branding platform before it's an e-commerce platform, and people have to remember that. And do you see that Amazon is going to be getting larger and even more prevalent? Or have we hit some sort of peak? Well, if you look at the growth charts, it's not slowing down anytime soon. But at some point, you're going to cap out. People do like to go into retail. People do like to be able to try things on in person. It's definitely changed the retail landscape. There's no question. But Amazon's also now opening up their own retail stores. They're just revamping and innovating the way it's done. That's hilarious. So we've come full circle. <laughs> Amazon stores, right? I'm not in the mood to shop online today. I'm going to go to the Amazon store. You got to tear it down before you can rebuild it. Yeah. Well, they have the Amazon lockers, right? Yeah. Well, they, we, we passed the Amazon bookstore today, uh, you know, across the street from where we were. And so you know, obviously they're changing the landscape. People prefer the convenience of buying online. They make it so simple. Amazon's the most consumer-centric company in the world. At least that's their goal. So it's so easy. I was shopping for 
you know, I think sunglasses holder a couple weeks ago. And within 30 seconds, I'd searched, I'd looked at the reviews of the product, and I hit my one-click checkout, and two days later, it was on my front doorstep. There's no shopping experience that gets that easy. I have to say that really is true because I do buy a lot of stuff on Amazon. But Richard buys stuff on Amazon, too. I do, too. <laughs> I'm guilty as charged. So it's just so easy. The way they set up all the screens and the charge account information and the shipping and the reviews, too. And that's probably the biggest competitive advantage that Amazon has is it's a closed system, right? They're the search engine. And they're the platform, and they've got your address and your credit card, and they also do the fulfillment. They've streamlined the whole process from start to finish, and they control every aspect of it. So from that standpoint, it's really hard to compete with. And you look at what Apple did 20, 30 years ago. They did the same thing. They integrated the operating systems and the devices, and they built their own hardware. And that created a flawless customer experience. So, Shannon, I have to ask you, do you know kind of how much money people can make on Amazon if they do everything right? That's a great question. It totally depends on the product, right? So there are products that people sell. And I think to Richard's point, there are products that people sell that people need. You know, we buy diapers and dog food on subscribe and save. We need those things. But at the same time, there's a lot of stuff that people create that people just want. And so... It's really the sky's the limit. How much can you create demand for your product? How much do people already want your product? And you're just giving them the best product at the best option, the best price. So it's really the sky's the limit. But again, it starts with having a unique product that you're adding to the marketplace. And then we can kind of talk about how people grow from there, how you actually launch and grow an Amazon storefront. Well, this is really fascinating, Shannon. Thank you very much. We'll be right back. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhart. And our special guest this evening, Shannon Roddy, will be back after this message. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application, that you're planning to build or sell or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-A H-A-R-T-L-A-W dot com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. And now a word about our newest sponsor, the New Jersey Technical Council, available at njtc.org. May 15th, they'll be having a CEO form about attracting and retaining talent in New Jersey. Again, the date is May 15th, 2019, and the time is from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Attracting and retaining talent in today's multi-generation, high-employment environment is a challenge being met by all companies, especially in New Jersey. It is an issue that transcends all functional areas in the C-suite, including CEO, HR, COO, CIO, and CFO. Please join NJTC for a spirited panel discussion that will address the impact of benefit packages, career planning, workplace solutions, employee engagement, and mobility. The location is at Bellworks in Homedale, and the date, again, is May 15th from 5 to 7 p.m. You can contact NJTC through their website at njtc.org, and you can register there. 
Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We'll continue our discussion with Shannon, and then we'll have three entrepreneurs pitching their businesses. They'll have two minutes to pitch and six minutes to answer questions from Shannon, Elizabeth, and myself. And don't worry, we've discussed the intellectual property situation with each of our pitchers before allowing them to pitch. And then after the pitches, you, our listeners, can go to the Passage to Profit page at GearhartLaw.com and vote for your favorite pitch. That's GearhartLaw. G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. So the voting goes on for a week, but everybody only gets to vote once. So everybody go on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, like us, talk about the show, do your own posts, get your friends to vote, and you can remember the name of the show by imagining you're walking down a passage with a huge pot of gold at the end, Passage to Profit. And... May your passage be short and your profit be huge. Tonight we have Shannon Roddy, an Amazon selling expert. During the break, we had a question from one of our pitchers, Mike Thomas, asking uh, Shannon to explain the difference between Vendor Central and Seller Central. Vendor Central is typically referred to as 1P, and that is where you are selling essentially wholesale direct to Amazon, and then Amazon takes care of selling those products on Amazon and they take care of the customer service experience, shipping, and everything else. The other side is called Seller Central, or 3P, third party. And what we found is last year, third party sales in Seller Central actually beat out Vendor Central for the first time. And part of that is because a brand is able to control the customer experience better. Even though they're Amazon's customers, you get to interact with them, you get to handle the customer service directly, you get to maintain your pricing, your inventory, And it's typically a better situation for most brands. Aside from a handful of select companies that might not be the best fit, we typically recommend Seller Central, especially if you're an inventor or innovator launching on the Amazon platform. Anybody can sell a product. So even if I create a listing as the brand owner and it's fulfilled by Amazon, anybody can hop on and say, I've got one of those for sale and I can sell it cheaper or more expensively, which is where you typically see three or four or five or up to 20 or 50 unauthorized sellers or multiple sellers on the same listing. Is there a difference in pricing based on the two different types of vendor central versus seller central? Not necessarily. It it usually will come to some type of break even. The point is if you can maintain brand equity that we mentioned previously and build your brand better through the seller central platform, overall, you're going to earn more. And if you're able to control your pricing, then you're going to be able to have better margins. So it's really about controlling the customer experience. In some cases, Vendor Central is dropping products that aren't profitable for them, and you might not have a choice. I was just curious, does Amazon charge you per sale or how do they, I know they get a lot of their money from all this advertising you say you have to do on there, but how much does it really cost if you want to put it on there? For a product that's well-priced, you can typically look at maybe a 50% you know, margin, which is typical wholesale. In some cases, it may only be 15 or 20% margin. It really just depends. If you're able to create a premium price product and get out of the competition that everybody else is in, you're going to be able to deliver a better experience for people and you're going to be able to have better profit margin. But you basically have everything from inbound shipping fees, FBA fees, pick and pack fees, long-term storage fees, advertising fees. It all does add up. So it's very, very important if you're selling on Amazon that you understand first your profitability. Because we know companies that have done $2 million on Amazon, and at the end of the year when all the dust settles, they only made a couple thousand dollars. You're saying that 50% of the selling price of an item on Amazon typically goes to Amazon in terms of commission and then for all the other fees that get stacked on top of there, the shipping, credit card processing, those kinds of things. Yeah, I mean, you have referral fees, uh, typically 15% for most uh, products. Uh, The sales tax can be collected separately. That's a whole separate issue that's blown up this last year as uh, Amazon 
and uh, states and also our country has redefined what physical nexus is. But the main idea is uh, it's going to be unique for each seller. You have to understand what your profitability is, and you can use their FBA calculator to estimate fees. But a lot of times you don't know until you actually get on the platform to see what your actually break even and profit margin is going to be. So you get that 50%, but then you also have to spend money on getting your product into Amazon favorites or boost it up to the top of the page. So that doesn't include any of that, right? Yeah, I mean, that's going to be separate. So getting like an Amazon Choice Award or a number one bestseller, that's just a result of spinning the Amazon flywheel, right? It's just accelerating the sales of your product. And all that can happen not only from driving traffic inside Amazon, like I said, but also can work you know, outside of Amazon, driving Facebook ads, uh, YouTube videos, whatever your social strategy is going to be. Um, we're working with a company right now called Inc. The Original that we helped launch on Amazon. And they have a huge social media and micro-influencer strategy to make people aware of their brand, which basically protects and preserves uh, tattooed skin. Shannon, you are a consultant and an educator when it comes to selling on Amazon. Can you share with us some success stories that you've had working with clients and helping them build their business? There's some really fun ones. Uh, one of the ones that comes to mind is a company called Starshine Watchdogs. Jeff Roche came to me uh, with his product. It's this really cool product that it lights up if you have a kid who's, you know, maybe afraid of the dark and scared at night so he can... Um, squeeze it. And if you squeeze it, there's these little night lights that light up around the room. And it sort of says sort of like a reassuring phrase, like, I love you or everything's okay. And so we helped them get their product sales up, but also get their reviews up. And, you know, it's so exciting for somebody who's poured so much of themselves that, you know, to passionately develop a product that they know can make an impact and see them really generate success and exposure on Amazon. So how long do people usually keep their products on Amazon? I think ideally it would be indefinitely. Again, you know, from, from a search engine standpoint, you can release new products. Most people who are successful on Amazon, they're just looking at how they can expand their product line. But I also want to caution people, even though Amazon's very, very easy to launch, right? You can do proof of concept. You can do product validation very easily with just you know, maybe a couple hundred products um, to see, does it sell? Are people interested? How are the reviews? You want to have an online diversification strategy. You do not want to put all your eggs in the Amazon basket because Amazon at some point can and probably will suspend your account or your ASIN. It's just algorithmic and it's just something that people have come to expect. So is there a minimum quantity that sellers need to have before they go on Amazon? Do they actually have to have the product produced or can they post a listing and then take orders? You'd probably want to have it produced unless you can make it on demand. Um, one of our clients, uh, Pure Country Weavers, they weave these beautiful tapestries and throw blankets. And so they can actually make everything on demand. But for most companies and brand owners, especially inventors, uh, you're going to want to have physical product that you can send in. That's the beauty of using the Seller Central FBA model is there's no minimum requirement. You can send in five units. People sometimes back out and they think, oh, I, I've got to send in hundreds or thousands. You can just start off with a very small quantity and test proof of concept. If I was going to sell something on Amazon, it sounds like there's a million things I would need to know. How do I find you to help me do that? So you can visit our website, marketplacesellercourses.com. Uh, we're also on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, and Instagram at Marketplace Seller Courses. And We've got a special webinar, actually, and that's going to be Thursday, May 9th at 4 p.m. Eastern time, and you can find the link on the website. But that's going to be a special webinar where we're going to go through our three key secrets of selling on Amazon, 
and also give you guys a special discount and deal on our courses. So if people type your name in Shannon Roddy, R-O-D-D-Y, can they find you on social media? I will be on LinkedIn. So uh, I've got a profile on LinkedIn, but everything else is going to be under Marketplace Seller Courses. Shannon Roddy, MarketplaceSellerCourses.com. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard Elizabeth Gearhart and our special guest, Shannon Roddy. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearhart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearhartLaw.com. At Gearhart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearhart Law. www.GearhartLaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearhart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And now for the pitches. Remember at the end of the program to go to the Passage to Profit page on the Gearhart Law website where you can vote for the pitch you like best. So I'm going to introduce our first pitcher. And I have to say what Shannon was saying about being out there on social media and getting people to talk about you worked for Jamie being on this program because I actually got an email from Social Fix that had his product on there. And I was so impressed with his product that I contacted him on LinkedIn and he agreed to be on the show. So our first pitcher is Jamie Frand. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me today. And where are you from, Jamie? I'm from Long Island, New York. You have two minutes. Go. My product is a very unique product. I came up with this product because I have uh, triplets that are six years old and a three-year-old. And I needed something that would actually help them with the concept of brushing your teeth. So I invented something where I, would, I wanted to protect my kids' future smiles. I wanted to instill great oral hygiene into my kids. And it's a very challenging for parents and for even children to get that actual concept to be done. You know, parents fight with their children to, first of all, one, put toothpaste on their brush and use toothpaste. And secondly, for them to actually brush their teeth. Those are the challenges that I've come across. And I made something that I thought that would help. And uh, the product that I have is an all-in-one toothbrush with toothpaste. Um, it has everything that, uh, that a child would need, recommended by dentists as well as uh, the ADA, American Dental Association. We have a tongue scraper. We have a soft bristles. We have a two-minute seven-multi-LED timer Two minutes of uh, brushing your teeth is the recommendation. And the biggest feature that we have is a transparent tube of two to three months supply of bubblegum fluoride sparkling toothpaste that matches the actual color of the brush. That's great. That sounds wonderful. So how did you pack so many inventions into one toothbrush? So it was a challenge. Uh, <laughs> I have. Uh, it's a big toothbrush, right? I it's mean, a huge toothbrush. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's about the size of the bathroom, right? <laughs> it's a little smaller. It's a little smaller. But uh, after six prototypes, with the size, um, with the bristles, soft, hard, um, this, again, with the size of the toothbrush, five engineers worked on this. 
I believe it. And uh, it was from from the light to the bristles to the tongue scraper, getting the right size for the child, even the dialer, which was a you know, which which is actually patent. That was one of the biggest challenges to get the right um, mechanism to actually get it on the bristles itself. It's a really cool product, Jamie. Once you have an innovative product, it's getting it on Amazon and then it's leveraging your social and e-commerce presence to drive that traffic to Amazon. There's tons of toothbrushes out there. Uh, do you have an idea in terms of pricing, what your price point is? We were looking to um, start off with one single brush uh, at twelve fifty, a uh, double pack at twenty four, and just to advertise as a an all-in-one training solution for the child as opposed to a separate toothbrush with toothpaste. Um, so it's really to teach the, the oral hygiene habits uh, for these children and help the parents as well. And and for like a comparison, what does a typical kid's toothbrush cost? Um, you can get a toothbrush for $1.25 all the way to $11. just depends on the quality and, and what features are actually on the toothbrush. And you're doing a Kickstarter campaign right now. So people can pre-order through the Kickstarter campaign, is that right? Correct. They can actually go to the website. It's a lot easier, uh, which is www.kangarooralcare.com. They can actually see the triplets on there as well in a beautiful video. And they can click on the link that says uh, Kickstarter page. Um, Again, if the Kickstarter um, doesn't uh, produce um, after 15 days um, from now, um, so they can go straight to the website or Amazon and they can purchase it from there. So what we all want to know, Jamie, is does improving the toothbrushing experience work? Does it really help young kids brush more? I tested it on a few kids, including my children. One thing that they actually like, they actually go in the dark and they brush their teeth in the dark while they're dancing because the whole thing lights up. <laughs> It's like a lightsaber, a disco ball. <laughs> and if you can distract triplets for like even 30 seconds, your life improves completely. Exactly. But again, the one thing that, that's nice is that most families share toothpaste. You know, they'll take their tip with their toothpaste and put it on the, on, the, on the brush heads. The kid has their own toothbrush, their own toothpaste, empowers them to use it. It's mine. That, that's what they say. So um, I think that would help with this challenge with uh, parents and children. And again, they know when it's finished. Now, recommendation is to change your toothbrush every two to three months due to bacteria when your toothpaste runs out. And this one, you know, mom, dad, I got my next one. That's really the main concept and why I came up with this. Can you deliver multiple doses of toothpaste at one setting or is the child limited to just getting one brushing's worth of toothpaste? Yes, they can do it themselves. It, it's easy enough where they're just turning the dial and putting the amount of toothpaste on the brush. But there's no click where it says, oh, you click and you're done. You turn it until you get the right size. Again, for a two-year-old, you're using a grain of rice. And where a three-year-old plus, you're using a pea size. So that can be done with that dialer. That, that's also what's nice about it. You know, most people think that they have to put a whole slew of toothpaste on their toothbrush. Um, they're, over, they're overdoing it. it it's, it's not necessary. And this thing actually enables you to do that. I think that there's two really cool opportunities that you have. One is premium price product. So We've worked with a company and they had a hand brush and most of the products selling were between the five to seven dollars range. And they were selling their product at nine ninety five. And I said, guys, you know, we kinda gotta come down to this, you know, five to seven dollar range. We gotta drop the price. And they said, No, we actually are gonna go the opposite way and we're gonna increase the price to twelve ninety five. And it not only worked, but the sales actually increased. And so what your opportunity is, don't think about going down. Think about going up to give people, you know, still it still has to be affordable. But if, if you get out of that price comparison point, you can promote it as a premium product and a whole experience. But it's going to require a really well-optimized listing that clearly lays out all of those features. And I would recommend doing two things. One is looking through product reviews of other toothbrushes and seeing what parents, you know, in particular, like and don't like about them and address those in your product features. 
The second thing is I would do uh, partnership marketing right out of the gate. So we've got companies that we work with that can do that for you or can connect you. Uh, Modern Muse Company is one of them. And they've got networks with 25,000 mommy bloggers across the country. That's like your perfect audience. So instead of trying to go out and get those 25,000 moms and their millions of audiences one at a time, go after influencers, go after micro-influencers who share your audience. That's going to be your best driver for your website sales as well as for Amazon. Yeah, so I just want to point out a couple of the features that I really like about the toothbrush. I really love that you use it for a couple months and throw it out because I do that with my toothbrush anyway. I think um, I've had my toothbrush for about six years now. So, <laughs> right, you, need but, my, you, need, you need my toothbrush. But, but I think one of the coolest things that I have never seen this before, honestly, I think this is very innovative, is the toothpaste comes up through the bottom of the bristles, right? And it it stays around because I put toothpaste on my toothbrush, it falls off, right? So, so yes, there's <laughs> lots of globs of toothpaste in the bathroom sink. So how does that mechanism work? There's like a little hole in the middle and the toothpaste comes up through the bristles that way? So at the end, at the, end of the day, it came out where the, it was an air chamber that we used. Um, and the air goes pretty much from the top all the way around to the bottom, pushes up toothpaste onto the bristles uh, as you're turning the, the dialer. Through a lot of engineering, we finally got it right. So what age group do you envision this for? Again, a uh, dentist recommends to start brushing little, around two years old. And... Um, you know, we have on to two, two to 12 years old. Uh, a lot of people have uh, shown interest. We've did market research, and the numbers have come back to around those ages. Um, I'm looking more uh, between two to 10 or so. Uh, but again, I, I also have the older kids, older children, also very interested in using something like this as well. You brought a kangaroo costume for the photos, and somebody in this room, not me, <laughs> actually put it on and took photos of it. But how did you come up with the kangaroo name? We wanted something that was fun for children. Kangaroo animals are cute. It's not portrayed enough, I think, in our country. And I want something a little different. So one kangaroo has a pouch, and I'm going to compare it a little bit you know, to the brush. I'm not sure if it really connects 100%, but... Again, he has the pouch. You have a transparent tube with toothpaste in it. It was a good concept. And uh, even the package we have is also shaped like a kangaroo. It's a great visual for people to remember your product. Absolutely. What is your website again where people can buy these? So it's kangarooralcare.com. And that kangaroo has very clean teeth, I bet. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Jamie Brand. And you are listening to Passage to Profit on WOR710 on iHeartRadio with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart and our special guest, Shannon Roddy. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley's the Inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, eVine Live and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventingatoz.com, inventingatoz.com. Email me, lisa at inventingatoz.com. Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And now on to our second pitch of the evening. We have Helen Lawler, who is going to be talking about Finspiration Now. 
So, Helen, where are you from? I'm from New Jersey. All right. You have two minutes. Go. Thank you, Richard. Glad to be here. So, look, we all benefit from a strong financial industry, and in the United States, we have a unique and varied system with many consumer choices that contribute to our economic stability. And so I want to see the financial services and fintech industries grow. In particular, I saw a need for mid-sized and smaller firms um, and institutions to step up their marketing efforts in order to be um, more uh, competitive. The current disruption and in industry complexity provides a significant challenge, um, especially because these firms and institutions often have limited resources and no one wants them to go away for sure. That's where Finspiration comes in, whether it's a bank or a credit union, accounting firm or wealth manager, lenders, or even a fintech enterprise supporting consumer financial products. We provide a unique solution. And we're not exactly like an ad agency or a creative agency, though we provide some of those services. Instead, we understand the core business problems that they need to solve um, through marrying data insights, strategic marketing planning, and effective and efficient tactical execution. While we do use traditional digital marketing, um, we do make sure that we're aligning the right levers at the right time to drive meaningful growth at the business level. Um, and we have a number of offerings, including a standardized solution as an entry level for smaller or newer firms, maybe that have more budget constraints. And of course, we offer and custom solutions, but we also help with product marketing, M&A marketing, and program marketing for enterprises. That's great. So what you try to do is you try to help smaller financial planners, people who are in the financial industry, market their services in a better, more efficient way than they could do just on their own. Absolutely. It's really key in this um, industry because, you know, marketing is getting more complex as we go and, and the industry is complex. So we want to make sure that we have different ways to really look at the most efficient way to tackle what their unique problem is. And I think you're really in a hard spot with marketing with financial firms because they have a lot of rules and regulations, Absolutely. right? So they have to be aware of that all the time. Yeah, I mean, I, I've spent 25 years in financial marketing, so I'm used to working with compliance and around the issues that come up often. So it requires a lot of patience and planning. You know, we can we can plan ahead of time, for instance, with social media. Uh, we can create some posts ahead of time. We can get those over to the client in advance so that that's already in the queue so that we can just post them when we need to. And you offer services with automation, ways of creating new digital marketing materials for the financial planning industry. And then you work with individual planners to disseminate those materials and target the right audiences. Right. So so there's a um, variety. We really run the gamut in terms of the marketing that we offer. Um, so we can offer, we, for instance, we have a strategic alliance with a firm that does a lot of um, predictive analytics work. Um, reporting so we can um, leverage their information so that we're getting the best information to uh, create the strategy. But we also work with another partner that does a social media platform called Gremlin Social, and they provide a lot of um, some of the bells and whistles for the compliance, auditing, and all those types of things so that we can leverage those tools to ensure that the client has the most opportunity to maximize the timeline. One of the things that I learned from Jen Harada, actually, uh, he's a social media expert who I interviewed a couple months ago. He said the tendency for a lot of companies is to focus on digital attributes instead of human attributes. And that's often to their own detriment. So they're like, what social media channels should we be on? And what time should we post? And what should our videos and content say? And he said, really, social media is simply an avenue for one human being to connect to another human being. 
How does your service enable the companies that you work with to connect one-to-one from a human relational standpoint to their intending customers? And I'm going to use an example with uh, community banking. Um, they're very ingrained in what's going on in, in their branch communities, and their outreach is going to be very different on social media than financial planner, for instance. So uh, it's those kinds of things that have to be considered in banking. Customer experience now is, you know, and in all financial services is the new mantra. So it takes it from that kind of the Amazon level, right? And it puts it into Main Street banking and getting folks to really understand that there is a connection beyond just the transactional pieces that are going on on their phones to, you know, make a deposit or something where they still need to have a smile and, you know, welcome people, whether it's an inbound call center or in branch, those relationships are really important. And you looked at after the 2008 financial crisis and even the recent Wells Fargo crisis where, you know, we're, we've been Wells Fargo members for years and like they are after a sort of a devastating public, you know, relations disaster, they're trying to have to rebuild that brand experience and rebuild, most importantly, that consumer trust. Like people lost sort of faith in the bankers and are you telling me what's actually best for me or what's best for you? Absolutely. Well, and the thing that's really important is, you know, everyone talks about digital marketing and social media marketing today, but really the fundamentals of marketing are still part of of what goes on in social media, right? So social media is, is a PR tool is essentially what it is. So you build your reputation, you build your thought leadership through those tools. And that's what we intend to help do. So, you know, again, it depends on the financial service that we're talking about. So it's going to be very different for a financial planner who might want to talk about their expertise on 401ks, but it would be very different for a bank who wants to talk about, you know, bringing the kids in for financial literacy. Yeah. And it's funny that we're talking about, yeah, social media is great, but you really need this personal relationship because Helen and I met <laughs> through our good friend Marcella Gencarelli, who I've mentioned before, at a speed networking event. <laughs> that so, was fun. Yeah, that was a wild day, wasn't it? So we met face to face and we talked to each other and then the relationship went from there. And I think a lot of that still happens. You can't take away the human element, right? And so we've evolved. Think about how quickly we've evolved as a culture with technology. Back in the 90s and 80s, we first got our computers on our desk and now we're walking around with them and in 10 years, doing all the things we did on those big machines. So things have happened very rapidly. And I I think, and I like to observe trends and talk to people, whether it's at the supermarket or, you know, at a seminar. And I like to get ideas of what people think. And I think there's going to be some pushback. I'm looking at that. And that's what I think we're seeing in customer experience, that there's some pushback, that there, there's a need for the quick, convenient, transactional piece that happens on your phone or your your laptop. Um, and then there's the human element of, you know, gosh, I need something more. So when you're working with a financial planner, Helen, how do you start the process of figuring out what it is that they need and what their goals and objectives are? First of all, I obviously sit down and have a conversation. So back to the customer experience, right? I want to understand what they're trying to accomplish because that's really important. Then understanding where the goals are, I want to look at what the baseline is. So I take whatever information they have available and I do an, an assessment um, and an analysis of what that means. So for instance, I looked at... Um, one planning firm, I looked at their CRM database and dug into what that information was telling us. First thing is I saw gaps in the data, right? Which, you know, bad data means in and means bad data going out or no data for that matter. So I could address those concerns there. Then I could start to see the trends. And I always like to say there's probably a good handful or so of data points you want to 
really pay attention to on a regular basis and then dig in deeper where you see things that don't make sense, that there's anomalies or gaps or things like that. So what kind of data points are those? Very simply, there could be a demographic data. That means you know age, um, gender. In the case of a financial planner, it was how much assets they were managing for them. Um, so in that example, I was able to make an association between age and the, the amount of assets they had, and we saw a trend in how they were building process over different generational ages. Those kinds of things are really helpful And then looking at the strategy and saying, okay, well, we need to go after people who are 40 years old, let's say, and start really addressing what their retirement needs are. Each financial services has some of their own differences to it, but overall there is some key things that make a difference in terms of uh, consumers and you know what they're looking to accomplish. I think a lot of people think of marketing as flyers and like fun pictures and stuff. But I talked to somebody years ago who'd just gotten out of school and got a marketing job and she was like, all I do is process data all day. So <laughs> to really dig down in with marketing and look at the data, that's probably the most important point, right? It really does make a difference. And, and I have cut my teeth on, on both the data and the creative side. And so it's always the art and the science combined. But, you know, you can't create a brand like you were talking about, Shannon, and how important branding is on Amazon. You can't create a brand if you don't know who you're going to attract. And you don't know who you're going to attract unless you have a good business plan, a good marketing plan and know who your customer is, right, or your client is. So that's really important. Well, that's great, Helen. So can you tell our listeners where they can find you? We're at thinspirationnow.com. That's inspiration with an F, thinspirationnow.com. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. We'll be back with our third and final pitch right after this. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build, or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We're on our third and final pitch. Hey, if you've just tuned in to Passage to Profit and have not heard the whole show, we have some really great stuff on here, and the pitches have been fantastic, as this one will be, too. Don't forget to remind our listeners to go to our podcast. That'll be available when? The podcast is available Monday morning on our website, gearheartlaw.com, and it's an iHeart podcast. You can find it on iHeart as well. So I am very happy to introduce Mike Thomas. Richard met him at the New Jersey Tech Council Venture Conference. He was there networking. And where are you from, Mike? Thank you so much for having me. I'm from Hoboken, New Jersey. Okay. Well, let's hear your pitch. Our company is Cooperative Alliance Distribution, and we have the only portable Bluetooth amplifier on the market. Patent pending. I will be calling you. <laughs> I will be calling Roddy. <laughs> uh, we uh, designed the uh, portable Bluetooth amplifier because most people know Bluetooth speaker. And when you say it's speaker, it's one, mono. Right. Bluetooth amplifier, we're splitting that single 
and letting you uh, hear your music in stereo. So in layman's terms, we want the world to enjoy personal you know, music, naturally with a Bluetooth speaker. But uh, as the world had changed early on, if you look at it in layman's terms, it went from AM to FM, stereo. And we want to bring portability and stereo to the public. And that's the purpose of a portable amplifier. Because as people have said, and it's a known fact that when you're listening to the portability of some of the other products, uh, Bluetooth speaker, there's a compromise in sound. With this, we bring you studio fidelity in sound. You also have speaker democracy. The old speakers <laughs> that you have, that your father put in the basement or in the attic, those speakers have a, a woofer, a mid-range, and a tweeter. You don't get that out of a Bluetooth speaker. Putting our digital signal through those speakers is like, in layman's terms, looking at a tube TV and then looking at HD TV next to it. You won't want to listen to the tube TV anymore. Mono just doesn't cut it. Well, I am blown away. So you can have stereo by the side of the pool. <laughs> yes, and uh, we can also give you 15 hours of that. So if you want to have a wedding at the 50-yard uh, line of Dallas Stadium or you know where the president's of Mount Rushmore, there are no plugs out there in the park, you have 15 hours of music. And we, we are coming with a model that will give you a microphone. So oh, wow. you'll have a PA so the pastor can marry you there, talk, and then you can have music. <laughs> wow. That sounds great. Karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> so just so I understand this, so this works with any speaker set, right? So, any passive speakers. Right. And you, so you have to wire it into the amplifier and it'll split the signal. So you hear guitar on the left, you'll hear piano on the right. And as my sister said to me, it took her eight months to uh, listen to it. She said, sounded like the orchestra was there. Well, we're giving you a digital sound out of those old speakers or if you want to buy new speakers. So now you can have personal stereo with bookshelf speakers, which I have a pair here, or your floor standing speakers. It's 40 watts. And we also have a 100 watt uh, unit. So how do the speakers get powered? Uh, if it's a wireless connection, I mean, in the past when you had wired speakers, presumably it was getting some electrical signal from the amplifier. That was just regular speaker wire. Regular speaker wire. The amplifier has all the power that you need and just regular speaker wire to passive speakers, any passive speakers. And I would urge everybody to stop the bleeding. Um, you can get a four or $500 pair of speakers today for about $20 on eBay um, because people are, they don't know what to do with them. They're buying the new digital systems and they're throwing these old, beautiful, <laughs> very expensive and excellent sounding speakers away. Or a little less than nothing. Now, do you see this as being more of a consumer product or more of a company product? Who, who's the target audience? Who, who do you imagine is going to buy this product and, and use it for their primary functions? Well, that's a great question. We uh, have it on Amazon, and uh, I'll be talking to you about that for sure. <laughs> we also have it <laughs> Absolutely. in Fry's Electronics, 34 stores. So the actual market for this was intended for the baby boomer. You know, the old speakers at home. Mom and dad, they have the Motown or the Beatles on, on their phones now mm -hmm. and to prevent them from getting rid of those old speakers. But the young people, which I played it for uh, when I first uh, demonstrated, when they heard Little Wayne on this, <laughs> it was a new day. 
And do you imagine people are going to use them? You mentioned outdoors, but are people going to use them for the most indoors, sort of in the existing setup, but just wireless or outdoors or all of the above? All of the above. You, we probably will not penetrate the living room where you have a, uh, you know, audiovisual sound system, but your bedroom, your patio, your basement, your pool, nine times out of ten at the pool, you've got a wire running to the house. No need. Maybe you want to put the speakers on the other side of the pool, let people walk, and, and, the, and the speakers are now facing you. You have that ability by eliminating that plug. I just keep thinking of like tailgating, right? Tailgating would be a great example of, you know, the Bluetooth speakers are convenient. They're typically really, really small. But like you said, you only get the mono sound. So it sounds really cool. What is a price point for the different models that you have? For the battery only, we have 149 we are coming with the 100 watt, which uh, should be shipping shortly. That's $200. And we do have tethered models, you know, at $89 and 129 And you mentioned tailgating. When you look at the box, uh, Costco did a study, and they said um, more products sell if you have a lifestyle image on it. The lifestyle image we chose was tailgating because we're going to try to stop some of those cars from getting towed because they – you know, four hours of uh, battery use by the car <laughs> and then coming out. <laughs> so we've done our homework, and uh, we're going to save some people some battery. How did you come up with the idea for doing this, and what is the story behind the speakers? Well, as a DJ, the word amplifier to me means you have to plug it into a wall. And I did have the tethered model, played it for some kids, and I was streaming my music from the phone and saying, look at this new wireless Bluetooth amplifier. They said, it's not wireless. I said, what do you mean? They said, you got to plug it into the wall. I said, if I could get it where you didn't plug it into the wall, what would you do it? Oh, we'd take it to the beach. We'd take it to the park. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So I went home and I looked at the patent, government patent. I said, are there any battery operated amplifiers? Lo and behold, there were none. And that's how I came up with the idea. Wow. That's, what is the name of it? We call it Masterpiece Signature Series. Because when you listen to a masterpiece, it's like Michelangelo. Nothing else compares. Are you <laughs> selling these now? Yes, we're selling, selling them through Fry's Electronics, uh, 34 stores in nine states, mostly on the West Coast. They only come far east as uh, Atlanta. Um, we're also on Amazon. We're in New Egg. And we're um, penetrating more indirect channel uh, beside e-commerce. One of the things we want to be able to offer, um, because we are looking for investments, we do have a contract right now with DNH Distributors, and they handle the Walmarts, the Best Buys, the national platform. What we want to do there is uh, we want to handle the marketing, and that's the way distributors are working today because of Amazon. Hey, we do distribution well. We don't do marketing well. So if you can show us a budget for marketing, then we'll put you on the platform. So in those instances, I am looking for investors to do that. We have the contracts in place. We just have to raise the money. Uh, the other thing is, since it's a music product, and I've seen the situation with Beats uh, headphones, where Apple gave them $3 billion, I thought it was genius on Dr. Dre's part, but he is a celebrity. I'm not. Uh, what we're looking to do is brand our do private label, and hopefully some recording artists who would like to have their music on USB in the box, since there's a lot of talk about royalties in the industry and not getting them. Well, if you have your album in our box and you have your name on our amplifier, a music product, it can go a long way. And last but not least, 
and also in that private labeling, we are looking to, uh, you know, partner uh, with my favorite football team, Giants football. <laughs> Love to see your <laughs> logo on it because for tailgating, as Roddy mentioned, between NFL teams and college teams, like I said, Dr. Dre, I, I envy him, but he didn't put anybody's name on those headphones. They were all Beats. Well, I, I want to be like Nike. I, I think it would be a great name. idea for the Giants to put their names on this. They have to do something because they're not winning any games, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you 100%. <laughs> I think the interesting thing is for an innovative product, the thing that a lot of inventors run into is they have to see it to believe it, right? So you're like, oh, it's this great and you're trying to explain it to me. And you could tell people are just not getting it. So they have to see it to believe it. Well, how do you do something like that on Amazon? And seeing to believe is one thing, but hearing to believe is the other thing. So I, I was thinking about how you would show this and Amazon does have the ability to add video. And so my thought for you is if you have the ability to do a video, you could do a 30 second, 60 second video and say, this is what your typical Bluetooth speaker sounds like and just play mono. And then all of a sudden say, and this is what our amplifier can do. And then all of a sudden that music would go into stereo where you're hearing different things in the left and the right channel. And that's something where even in 30 seconds, people can go, aha, I get it and have that moment. But it's definitely going to be a challenge to convince people why your product is better, why they need it. But it's definitely, there's a market for it. And it's it may take some time to figure out, okay, is it event coordinators? Is it going to be wedding planners? Is it churches? You know, Who's the ideal target market? Or is it just high school kids? Whatever the case may be, once you sort of nail that down, you're going to be able to market to them really well. You are spot on with the mono versus the stereo. Our commercial that we're going to do, every time I take mine out to play it for people, they hear it first, then they look, and they say, what's that? Like, where's the beef? That's going to be our commercial. And <laughs> you might want to check out a few copyright issues before you yeah. grab that so, tagline. Where's the signal? So, so, Mike, how many have you sold so far? We've sold 1,100 in our um, you know two years uh, with uh, fries only, and, and, and that's in combination with Amazon. That's pretty good without a lot of marketing. Ironically, we figure, because we tried to figure out why it was selling like that. Well, unlike Beats headphones where it's personal use, you normally pay probably in California, they're playing this at barbecues, family reunions. So when someone else hears it, I think that's been our savior. This is very cool. I think this would make a great Father's Day gift or Mother's Day gift. <clears throat> so. Isn't Father's Day coming up? <laughs> yeah, Mother's Day is first. Though, so. You have a separate account on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> and one more time, Mike, where can we find this? At Fries, do you have it online to buy? Fries Electronics, okay. Amazon, and at our website, MasterpieceCorp.com. And if you're looking to invest, it's sales at Masterpiece, like the theater, P-I-E-C-E. Corp, C-O-R-P dot com. You're listening to Passage to Profit on WOR 710 with Richard Elizabeth Gearhart and our special guest, Shannon Roddy on WOR 710, the voice of New York. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearhart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearhartLaw.com. At Gearhart 
Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. Remember, everyone, to go to the Passage to Profit page at GearheartLaw.com, spelled G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W, and vote for your favorite project. So to summarize, we had Jamie Frand at kangarooralcare.com, the toothbrush that makes kids want to brush their teeth. That's amazing. <laughs> we had Helen Lawler at finspirationnow.com, the woman who can help you get noticed with your financial business and while obeying all the rules. <laughs> and finally, we had Mike Thomas at masterpiececorp.com, with the Bluetooth amplifier so you can hear an orchestra no matter where you are. So what a wonderful group of entrepreneurs. Now Google Passage to Profit and make your choice. Remember, you can only vote once and you have until next Sunday at 7 p.m. to vote. This evening's pitch contestants will receive a Passage to Profit t-shirt and the best overall vote getter for the show will receive an Amazon gift card. Valued at how much? $25. $25. And before we go, I would like to say Shannon's website one more time. It's marketplacesellercourses.com, but you can find Shannon Roddy on LinkedIn if you can't remember that. And the other thing I would like to say, (laughs) I love hearing these pitches each week. And I hope you all go and vote because I really can't pick a favorite. I'm not a financial person, but if I had kids, I'd want the toothbrush. But I want my financial person to be good enough to use marketing. And I think for that Bluetooth amplifier, that is what Richard's getting for Father's Day. (laughs) Anyway, this is what we love about doing this show. We hear about so many great things. And I want to say thanks again to our guest, Shannon Roddy, who took us over the top in so many ways. Uh, Do you have any final words for our listeners? No, you know, I just want to encourage people, if you're thinking about Amazon, or even if you're doing millions of dollars on Amazon, but you're looking to exponentially grow and protect your brand, uh, to attend our webinar. So that's going to be, again, uh, this coming Thursday. Uh, May 9th at 4 p.m. Eastern, and they'll have the link on the website to sign up. But it's absolutely free, and we've got a special discount. So I really encourage people to go through it. You're going to learn tons of helpful information to grow and protect your brand on Amazon. And anybody selling anything really needs to know this stuff, because if you're not on Amazon, then... You're nowhere. You're missing out. (laughs) So that link will be on the Gearheart Law website, the Passage to Profit page, so you can find it there. We would like to thank you and all of our pitchers and our producer, Noah Fleischman, and our sound engineer, Rob. Barrett's, who really makes this sound good on the radio, and our media maven, Kenya Gibson, and the whole iHeart team. And don't forget to join us next week for another excellent speaker and another round of pitches. And listeners, really, you can start thinking about what your pitch will be. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This is Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart on iHeartRadio with Passage to Profit, WOR 710, the voice of New York.